AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. The soy complex got no help from the energy markets and still started the week with a strong rally. Corn and wheat futures were pulled along and cotton was lower again. Lean hog futures were mixed with back month contracts well off the highs. And the cattle complex pushed to the upside on expectations of strength in the cash market. Live from the delicious crispness of the glistening Midwestern winter via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Brian Basting of Advanced Trading. Later, Kerry Artak from ArtakAdvisory.com. And right after the news, Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. Hi, a handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. Now the host of AgriTalk, Jack Flory. All right, Davis. Six. That's Six degrees? The, yeah, that's the crispness. Mm-hmm. that we have up here in northeast iowa six mm-hmm. yeah Whew. well and, and not not exactly glistening here at the southern outpost we're at 19 degrees uh okay. with a hazy sort of sunshine but uh the, the snow we have gotten this year just hasn't really stuck hasn't stuck wow yeah. wow well i'm telling you um i might throw an extra log on the fire tonight because we're heading for a low of 15 below oh mama yeah that yeah, could get that's, chilly. Yeah, <laughs> you got that right. Uh, but we've got, uh, you know, the only reason that we're going to get that cold is because I I don't think there's a cloud in the sky today. Mm-hmm. We've got bright sun, sunshine and that powdery dry snow that fell over the weekend has, mm-hmm. uh, was it, it piled up. It was a whole lot easier to move that snow than it was the one before that. There's no question about it. Sounds like so. conditions ripe for cross-country skiing. You going to get the uh, cross-country skis out maybe this afternoon? I, I probably Go for a little not. ski? No, hmm? Pro- hmm? probably not. Uh-uh. Right. Uh-uh. Yeah. Might okay. get the chainsaw out and do a little bit more cutting. But Oh, nah. now there you go. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, you can never have too much of that. Welcome. Welcome to AgriTalk. Glad that you are with us this afternoon. Uh, boy, Brian... Basting and I have exchanged uh, just a couple of emails here getting ready for the show this afternoon. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to this. Brian's got some great ideas on things that we need to to uh, discuss. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Let's get started. What you got in the news? Sure thing. We'll chip the risk of damage from frigid temperatures in the central and southern plains over the next 48 hours provided light support for HRW wheat futures. Spillover support from gains in the soy complex also helped support prices. Wheat traders are also watching for a potential disruption in the market from ultra-tight supplies of wheat flour in Pakistan, where prices have doubled on panic buying. Wheat export inspections in the weekend of January 26 totaled more than 445,000 metric tons. That was at the high end of trade expectations. March SRW wheat futures posted an outside trading day and spiked resistance at last week's high before falling back to close below the opening range. March HRW wheat futures were four and one half cents higher, eight seventy three and three quarters. March SRW wheat up two and a half cents, seven fifty two and a half. March spring wheat closed at nine twenty one and one half, unchanged today. Yeah, yeah, very good. That's kind of an interesting story coming out of Pakistan that they let their supplies get that low. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one of those you've had 
you've got one job um, <laughs> yeah. stories over there. Yeah. Well, USDA this morning announced the sale of 112,000 metric tons of U.S. corn for delivery to Japan in the current marketing year. USDA also reported export inspections in the weekend of January 26 of nearly 528,000 metric tons. That tally fell short of trade expectations. Selling in corn futures was limited by word Brazil's safrina corn plantings are just 6% complete chip. That compares to last year's pace of 26.7% complete by wow. this date. Corn futures op opened higher and spiked resistance at last week's high before setting back to close below the opening range. March corn futures were three quarters of one cent higher, 683 and three quarters. May corn up one and one quarter, 681 and one quarter. July corn futures closed at 667 and one half, up one and three quarter cents, Chip. Yeah, starting to feel like the the corn plantings are getting late in, in Brazil. There's no question about it. That is going to leave that crop more vulnerable to some of the heat later this year. Well, last Monday, soybean futures gapped lower on the forecast calling for rains in Argentina, and those rains did fall. The forecast going forward, however, calls for dry conditions into next week, and the risk of a boomerang drought helped futures start the week with a session low open and a near-session high close above resistance at last week's high. Soybean meal and bean oil participated in the rally, accelerating the move to the upside. Soybean export inspections of 1.855 million metric tons were at the high end of trade expectations. March beans 25 and three quarter cents higher, 15.35 and a quarter. May beans up 25 cents, 15.29 and a half. July soybeans closed at 15.19 and a half, up 23 and a half cents. Chip, we've got a polar vortex, we've got bomb cyclones, and now boomerang drought. They're just making up <laughs> words for weather stuff now, right? Not, <laughs> well, none of that's real, right? Uh, boomerang drought might be a little uh, creative license it's a there, stretch. I would say. Yeah, yeah. that might be. Might be. So <laughs> you've got bean oil sharply 70 points higher today and crude oil futures a buck 90 lower. So hmm. no help from the energy markets and, and bean oil was still higher. Well, March cotton was 177 points lower, 85.12. On the livestock side, once again, traders are looking for support from higher cash cattle trade by the end of this week. Feb cattle 202 and a half higher, 158.75. April up 252 and a half, 163.35. March feeder futures 45 cents higher, 183.92 and a half. Snout side, front month lean hogs still at a $3 premium to the cash lean hog index. Feb hogs gapped lower, firmed to fill the gap, then fell back to post the session low close. February hogs 72 and one half cents lower, 75.15. April up seven and one half, 86.52 and one half chip. Yeah, those expect the early week expectations for strength in the cash cattle market by the end of the week is starting to get to be kind of an old story in that market, and it's mm -hmm. it's been disappointing here the the past few weeks. All right, thank you, Davis. Let's bring in Jack Scoville, Price Futures Group. Good afternoon, Jack. How are you, buddy? I'm here. It's a Monday, and uh, <laughs> almost trying to become sunny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've got the sun here. It's probably headed your way, so just, well, just stay tuned. We're, uh, yeah, well, probably tomorrow when it's about 10 degrees, you know. Yeah, I mean? <laughs> that's it. That's it, man. Hey, these the, the corn plantings in uh, the Safrina corn plantings in Brazil, way behind where they were just a year ago. Is that having any impact on these markets? Not really too much yet. Uh, it probably will if it gets to be a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more time in delay. Uh, the soybeans are having trouble coming out. It is, it is providing uh, 
some support for soybeans in through here. The, uh, the delays in getting the soybeans harvested really yeah. kind of sent the soybeans into orbit. That and the dry weather that's uh, going to show up again down in Brazil and Argentina, uh, southern Brazil and Argentina, and the fact that the Chinese New Year is ending. All those things yeah. combined to kind of put a bit into the beans, but the corn didn't really respond too much. So I, I think no, it's there, but I don't think we're really making it a trade issue just yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, what are you hearing from guys down there? Is uh, the situation on those beans where it's been, cons- per, you know, the rains have been persistent, how are they holding up? Uh, so far, so good. Uh, I've been doing a lot of pricing here lately. So I okay. think uh, I think the overall attitude down there is one that uh, they're going to get the beans out sooner or later. And uh, we'll see how the quality ends up. But that's not a, that doesn't seem to be a concern right now. Yep. Yep. All right, Jack. Good stuff, buddy. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, great. All right. That is Jack Scoville, Price Futures Group, coming up next. We're going to talk with Brian Bastling, Advanced Trading. We'll start with Acres and get to next year's carryover expectations. It's, it's an interesting conversation. Stay tuned. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. You suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag Agritalk. I mean, they could call us if they don't suffer from that affliction, too. That's right. Could they not? Yeah. And if they would call us, they could call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. That is 855-482-5524. You're saying that's followed by the number four. No, there's no followed by nothing. It's very nope. simple. It's very simple. Okay. I'm telling you. <laughs> so it's 85-548-2552. I think, is Big Apple Joe taking you down? I think he is. It's followed by the number four. I was pretty oh, sure. Oh, followed by the number four. Okay. Yeah. Welcome back. I'm Chip. That's Davis. <laughs> Hello. Let's get, let's get Brian Bassing in here from Advanced Trading. Brian, it is good to talk with you again. How are you? Hey, Chip, it's always good to talk to you. I'm hanging in there, sir. How about yourself? Good. Trying to stay warm today. That's the big battle. <laughs> I hear you. So, yeah, we, yeah. We forgot that uh, it's the end of January here. We still got a <laughs> bit of winter ahead of us. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yep. But uh, February's a short. I saw this in a tweet. Uh, February's January stinks. February's a short month. <laughs> and, and you start to feel hope again in March. So, you yeah. know what? Yeah. Hey, here we are. We, 
it's not that far off. I don't think. Well, we'll sink, sink our teeth into some hoops here in February and March, and it'll be spring yeah. before you know it. That's right. That's right. Yep. So uh, just on today's price action, Brian, uh, the comeback, the the risk, I guess, that we're going to see, as, as Davis described in the news, a, a boomerang drought in Argentina, <laughs> is that what got into this soy complex? Boy, it sure feels like that's that's on the front burner, Chip. There are yeah. a couple other uh, secondary factors there in the bean market that uh, we can highlight, but but there's no yeah. doubt here. That, uh, plus or minus, it's not quite a perfect analog, but February is is pretty close to being August for for the yeah. beans in Argentina, and we all know that what can happen in August here in the U.S. You can add or subtract five bushels with one rain or uh, a yes. disappointing rain, and um, so there's no doubt that uh, it's 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 teetering let's put it that way and i don't yeah. want to give your listeners a, a bias one way or another because i'm I, I don't know any more about the weather than anybody else does but it's it's a very tenuous situation given that argentina is the largest meal exporter in the world but yeah. um the other thing that's kind of sneaking up here a little bit chip is the delayed harvest or slower harvest in, in northern brazil is is maybe moving that window open a little wider for u.s exports the next 60 days um and we're seeing some of that activity maybe being reflected in our weekly uh, export sales, as well as some some hints in the in the SIF and the uh, the, the Gulf market right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you you mentioned uh, made the mention of Argentina being the biggest meal exporter. Uh, March soybean meal today was up fifteen dollars and twenty cents a ton. It seems so strange to say that, but that's a huge move for that market today. New contract high and a new contract high close, 488.70. Feels like a $500 market is coming our way again. We got lots of momentum in there all of a sudden. Well, you hit the nail on the head, uh, Chip. I think that it's it's interesting now that we're seeing a, a delayed response to that buildup in soybean meal demand we saw worldwide back three, four, five years ago when meal was stuck at that $300 a, meal, a, a, a ton level. We did a little, a pretty big research project last year, just looking at some of the areas around the world that really stepped up their meal consumption when those meal prices were stable. And now we've got a shortage of meal and the largest meal exporter in the world. So all that's coming home to roost. And here we are here on, on February 1st around the corner. And uh, as you said, $500 is just around the corner too. That's what it sure feels like. Um, so here we are, we've got this big crop out of Brazil. Argentina isn't going to shut down their crushing facilities if they have, you know, a sub 40 crop. They're just going to import from Brazil and keep those crushers up and running, aren't they? I think so. Uh, yeah. And and uh, who knows, maybe maybe even a few beans from, from the U.S. work their way down there. But there's no yeah. doubt that, that Argentina would look to their neighbors, as it were. Uh, Paraguay would also possibly be a supplier. Uh, their crop is not quite as big is what they thought it would be earlier, but it's a heck of a lot bigger than last year. So that would be another option for them to fill that void. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One other thing that Jack made reference to that I hadn't given much thought, honestly, it was the end of the Lunar New Year and it, potential that it, it could bring China back into the market. Uh, we're going to figure that out here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, there are some hints. Again, I, I don't have my finger directly on the pulse of, of the export market, but perhaps there's some some hints that China may be sniffing around for, ha- for perhaps all the way out to April for U.S. origins. So that's where you're looking at that slow start 
to the Brazilian harvest and 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 obviously the the associated slow entry of those bushels into the world market. I, I believe most of the early bushels in Brazil historically go to the crushers. So yeah. you've got an, an issue there of, of um, will it rain in northern Brazil and not rain in Argentina. And that's kind of what the market's looking at, although the short-term forecast does look a little bit drier for improved harvesting in northern Brazil. But point going back to original point, yeah. for the time being, China is still in the market. They lifted over 50 million bushels of beans from the U.S. and this morning's uh, FGIS report from the USDA. So they are they are still, uh, despite all the talk about COVID, despite all the talk about you know a 2 million ton reduction in the Chinese import forecast earlier this month and USDA's WASDI, they're still there. They're still there. Yep. Yeah. And none of, and we still got that. What was it? A 55 million bushel reduction in the U.S. bean export estimate in the January S&D. So it, to me, it seems like, well, I don't that that just seemed a little steep to me, Brian. What's your thoughts there? I hear what you're saying, Chip, and our biases, particularly given what's happened in this last two weeks, two and a half weeks since that report was released, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you. Uh, okay. And we would we would uh, uh, nudge that number a bit higher, uh, given what we've seen in response to these delays in Brazil, in response to these uh, persistent good sales. We've got unshipped bean sales, Chip, at a record level here as we, we move into the last week of, of January. A good chunk of that, I'd warn your listeners, however, is in that unknown category, and yep. those have a tendency to be to be um, either shifted to a destination or or mysteriously yep. canceled. So be cautious with that. But um, for the time being, uh, it looks quite strong. And yes, I would agree with you that that would that would nudge that carryout back down, maybe to that closer to that two hundred million bushel mark. Yeah, yeah, it's st- it 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 is clearly still a moving target. On that side, well, as long as we talked about the bean exports, what about corn? Did it seem did the big move to the downside, 150 million bushels? Did that seem like the right thing to do? Yeah, we've really just seen an extremely competitive environment, Chip. The last um, three to four months, really stretching back to last fall, and the bean uh, corn export market. Um, uh, this, this Brazilian crop from last year. It seems like it's never ending. Uh, maybe it was over- understated a bit by the USDA, but we continue to see liftings from Brazil, from Brazil yeah. uh, exceed expectations. And and with the export corridor still open, obviously in, in the Black Sea, uh, you've got some some competition there. But um, maybe we did see an uptick in, in in some business chip before the report. I looked at the last week's export sales number. Uh, you know, it was, it was about a little under a million tons. That was up 46% from the four-week average. My bias is that a lot of exporters just said, let's let's cover our bases here before the report. Gotcha. And uh, they came in and they did get a bullish response to the report. So yeah. it's probably the right thing to do. But yeah. it, all in all, though, Chip, no, we are not the top, uh, top of the line right now in terms of corn exports. Having said that, we may see a window open up here uh, uh, this spring as those supplies from Brazil presumably are eventually exhausted. Um, and so we need to keep an eye on that, but I, I, I would not get corn bullish bullish on corn exports from that number that, that you said uh, USDA was earlier this month. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I'm glad we did, went through all of that because it's all going to have an <laughs> impact on what the decision-making process is on those final acres. Uh, I'm not saying on an individual basis, but I'm saying for, 
across the country where those final acres are going to go. We've only got about a minute left here before we got to take a break, Brian. But what are your initial thoughts on the corn soybean acreage mix for next year or for 23? USDA came out last fall with their baseline projections chip and they'll, they'll come out here in February with that final number, but it was 92 on corn. We're closer to 91 and they came out at 87 for beans. We're closer to 88. Basically, we've seen that bean price, as your listeners know, gain on corn in the last 60 to 90 days. And I think that um, that will be an indication that uh, maybe we're pushing a few more acres into into beans here for, for 2023. Yeah. What is the ratio now? What what I haven't done the math. It's about to 2.3. Uh, that's okay. Nove, Nove 23 to Dece 23. Yeah. Close at 2.32 today. Yeah. it's not. That's not really giving a whole lot of incentive either way. Maybe fi- favors corn a bit. I, just a touch, maybe. I think, you know, the big wild card in the next 45 days as you get ready to, to survey for that uh, March 31st report will be this Argentina crop. If that yeah. thing really becomes catastrophic in nature, then yeah. I think that ratio could really spike. Yeah, and if all of a sudden we would get that into us because we're knocking on the door of February, we're going to be setting the spring price. That's going to have a big impact on things as well. All right, Brian, uh, stay tuned. We're going to get to the balance sheets and what you see looking forward for risk management strategies. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time now for news of note from ProFarmer. Brazil's soybean harvest advanced three percentage points to 5% complete as of last Thursday, according to AgRural. That was half the pace of last year's harvest on that date. Snow fell ahead of the bitterly cold temperatures that have moved into the central United States, which provided insulation for the U.S. winter wheat crop. Work on the debt limit and spending will continue in Washington. President Joe Biden will meet Wednesday with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to discuss the debt limit. China said the COVID-19 situation in the country was at a, quote, low level, and that fever clinic visits due to the virus during the Lunar New Year dropped about 40% from the week uh, before the week-long holiday. The European Commission's index of economic sentiment rose to 99.9 in January, the highest reading since June 2022. Get more at TryProFarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. AgriTalk. All right. 
We are in the middle of a conversation with Brian Bassing from Advanced Trading. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Uh, before we get back to Brian, let's go ahead and recap where the markets closed, Davis. Chip, March hard red winter wheat futures were four and one half cents higher at eight seventy three and three quarters. March soft red wheat up two and a half cents, seven fifty two and one half. March corn futures were three quarters of a cent higher at six eighty three and three quarters. July corn futures closed at six sixty seven and one half, up one and three quarters cents today. March soybean futures were twenty five and three quarters cents higher, fifteen thirty five and one quarter. July beans closed at fifteen nineteen and one half up 23 and one half cents. March cotton 177 points lower, 85.12. On the livestock side, February fat cattle 202 and one half higher, 158.75. March feeders 45 cents higher, 183.92 and a half. And February lean hog futures 72 and one half cents lower, 75.15. That's your quick market recap. Back to you, Chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. We are talking with Brian Bassing, Advanced Trading. Brian, um, I should ask you about uh, winter wheat seedings. What kind of an impact does that have on how the acres in the the middle of the country are going to get split up? Yes, a couple thoughts, Chip, is that um, the bean harvest in the eastern Corn Belt came off a lot quicker uh, in the fall of 22 compared to the fall of 21. So, in a normal bean corn rotation, then we, we would expect uh, those acres to come back into corn um, in 23. However, this bean, this wheat price chip was just so um, strong that yeah. we did see a bump, a significant bump. Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, I stretched that into Ontario chip. We're talking about wow. record wheat acres up into Ontario. So I think in a nutshell that that, that may um have pushed or pulled, I should say, a few corn acres away from 2023 here with a, and possibly added a few more double crop bean acres yeah. uh, down the road because that bean, uh, that wheat acreage number earlier this month was a stellar SRW. Yeah. Producers really did respond last fall. Yeah. Yeah. There were some changes, some enhancements to uh, crop insurance, making it available for yeah. double crop. Uh, that I think yeah. was, was part of it. And it it also is going to put a lot of focus on you know june weather and how quickly we can get that srw crop out of the field to get the to get the double crop beans in the field so that's another moving part that we're going to have to watch very closely isn't it yeah, what an exciting time, Chip, to be watching the markets because as you just <laughs> yeah. summarized it in, in in one sentence, it's uh, moving parts is probably an understatement uh, uh, here in 2023 because there's so yeah. much going on. But yes, I think that would be another incentive that if we do get a favorable growing season and get these these wheat acres harvested uh, before that Fourth uh, of July time period, yeah, who knows how far north guys producers may roll the dice and take a chance on Give a double a crop and here beans exactly. So, uh, we heard some folks I, I talked to in, in southern parts of Michigan take a shot at it last year. It's How'd pretty far now. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I saw him back at Labor Day at a meeting, oh, okay. so I didn't hear how the harvest turned out. But he did take. He said some of his growers there in that, that southern uh, southern tier of Michigan took a, took a gamble at it and wow. and got got planted. I don't know how the yields turned out. But. Okay, all right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, what's all this mean for the balance sheets? Your price thoughts? And how do you manage it? 
I think uh, in a nutshell, Chip, for corn, it, it, we're looking at such a, a competitive environment for, for exports. Now, again, the big wild card there is if this Brazilian crop is realized, because it's far from being realized when it's just barely getting out of the bag here. Uh, yeah. They'll be planting be- corn aggressively during the month of February, the Safinia crop here. But um, if they get that crop planted timely uh, and it pollinates and before the dry season starts around that third, fourth week of, of April, they could have a whopper of a corn crop, which would transcend all the way into our first quarter exports for corn, which would be very poor. Bottom line is with it, with trend yields in a 91, 92 million corn acre, we could be looking at carry out close to 1718 chip for 23, okay. 24 in contrast to 12 today. So just remind your listeners that that's that not necessarily swimming in corn as it were, but it's a lot right. more comfortable than 12 carry out in, in, in my <laughs> mind. Doesn't justify right. prices this high. So beans a little tighter with with a with a demand hey, Brian, as strong as when, it is. Yeah, when, when you say justify prices this high, you're talking about the Dece 23 at 590, right? You bet. Okay. Yeah, it's, okay. I mean, yeah, just looking at a new crop in that scenario, Chip. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then Sorry. briefly for beans, just yeah. no, that's that's a good point because uh, it's becoming apples and oranges. Looking at this old crop, new crop spread, yep. Yep. Uh, particularly in beans, exploding the way it is. But um, no, the beans look tighter on paper, Chip. Um, but I think the one wild card I remind your listeners about on beans is China. A big, big part of that 23-24 balance sheet is. Will China continue to import beans at this pace we've seen the last three, four years with their reopening their economy with COVID and, and um, obviously Brazil having a uh, sooner or later going to harvest 150 to 155, whatever it is. There's some stellar yields being reported in Mato Grosso, up north. So point being is that, uh, yes, on paper, beans look tighter, but I'd still want to defend my balance sheet chip on beans because that could change in a hurry with China contracts a little bit and, and all of a sudden we see exports go from you know two two to, to one eight or or I should say one nine to two billion that's goes from 200 million bushel carry out to 300 so yeah. uh, what to do I think uh, as a producer defend your balance sheet I think uh, uh, here's a kind of an important point to uh, combine that with you acknowledge that prices don't always follow the seasonal pattern because so often I hear during the winter time well you know we got a spring rally coming or a that's not necessarily true. If you look back at all the crop years, Chip, there's, and there's certainly uh, instances where that has not occurred. And so some of the, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the best pricing opportunities could be today. What I'd add, Chip, is get control of these 22 bushels. Producers with the 22 yeah. crop, I recognize that your Western listeners, Nebraska, Kansas, South Dakota, we're short end of the stick in 22. But um, uh, as we move further east, obviously, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, Eastern Corn Belt, some tremendous yields, some tremendous returns, record gross revenue per acre. If you're still holding old crop bushels, get those, get control of those bushels, either set a price floor with them with a sale and a call option purchase. In my opinion, Chip, okay. that'd be a good way to go about it with basis strong. They could buy a put for downside protection. Just a reminder, Chip, that uh, black swan events are always out there. I, I can't predict much right. less um, uh, two weeks from now, much less, you know, six months from now. So get control of 22 bushels, 23 crop chip. I think another way to remind folks is we're still 30 days away from that crop insurance period. So there's no guarantee that these corn is going to be at 590. No beans are going to be at um, uh, 13, 13, 60. 
Yeah, 70, something like that. <laughs> yeah, 30 days from now. So you, yeah. you could do the classic put option out there, Chip, uh, buy a no put, buy a dece put. Uh, alternatively, they could use a short option, short dated option to reduce the premium costs. Another thing, Chip, I'd add, though, it's also prudent to add cash sales to a portfolio in addition to these long option purchases. So uh, final thought on that, Chip, it's not too early to think about 24 crops at dece okay. at 550 and, and no beans at 12, 1290. The key thing with both 23 and 24 is to maintain as much flexibility chip as possible. We do want to let these markets run. If they want to run, terrific. But boy, we sure want to have a flow under it when, not if, when the market turns. We just don't know when it's going to turn. But defend your balance sheet. We know that um, uh, a lot of producers have the best balance sheets they've ever had right now. Uh, I don't want to overgeneralize there, but I certainly, from my visits this winter, I know that that's, that's the case. And um we yeah. want to defend that, and uh, we just um, don't know what's going to happen again six months from now or six yeah. six minutes from now, much less six months from now. Yep. It, just just a, an idea on establishing that floor on the 23 going into February. If you're looking at 590 D's corn, 1370 no beans, and thinking to yourself, boy, I sure hope that price is – is there at the end of February, and we get an average price in February somewhere around those numbers, you can hedge the spring price with a short-dated put, can't you? Anytime you're not you're not interested in being on the radio program, or we're interested in hiring you, Chip. That's that's exactly that's exactly what we we're, we're talking to people. If you want to don't want to spend the money in terms of premium yeah. costs to go all the way out to December, exactly what you just described. Seriously, you could just buy a short term insurance policy with a short dated option. So you summarize that very well. Okay, all right, very cool. I I, I just you you can't forget that if you're hoping that these are going to be close to your average prices in February make it the price that you can do it you can make it the yeah, price yeah and i so. and i don't want to be i don't want to be flipping about this chip but i think anytime you got the the returns that we've got from these 22 crops if you if you pardon the expression use some of the gravy from that 22 and i know it's blood yeah. sweat and tears earned i'm not saying you didn't earn you earned every penny of it but take some of that and, and now look forward to 23 and protect 23. More importantly, defend your balance sheet in 23. Very good. Very good. Um, I loved your final note in the in the email. All too often we see producers willing to take a small profit, yet they take a large loss. That's not sustainable. Let's manage the profits when it's available, huh? I'd love to take credit for that, Chip, but an old compatriot of yours, Dave Fogle, gave me that line to use. So I, <laughs> I, I will give Dave full credit in all seriousness. Dave's been around the business for 40 years, so he's seen yeah. everything. And uh, we've, uh, you and I, our, our career is also nearly parallel. So it's yep. uh, it's time to time to, um, to take this seriously. It's great to be in the position we're in, but we know all of us who are involved in agriculture know it's a cyclical business, and um, yeah. high prices will cure high prices eventually here. Yep, yep, that's that's no doubt, no doubt. Brian, it's always a great conversation with you, man. Thank you so much for making time. Jeez. I, I always love talking to you, Chip, and uh, yeah, be, uh, be talking hoops maybe the next time we speak. So Yep, I hope so. I hope so. All right, buddy, we'll talk to you later. That is Brian Sounds Bassing, good. Advanced Trading. Yeah, like I said, another great conversation. Kerry Artek, Artek Advisory, coming up next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, 
timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Chickens have come home to roost. (laughs) Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. All right, welcome back to AgriTalk. Great conversation there with Brian Bassing from Advanced Trading. Thanks, Brian, for making time for us again. Okay, it is Monday afternoon, and that means it is time for a conversation with Carrie Artak from Artak Advisory. Don't forget, don't forget to uh, go to artakadvisory.com, A-R-T-A-C advisory.com, and uh, click on the free trial button, and Carrie will get you up and running. All right, Carrie, get us started with March corn. Thanks, Chip. Yeah, I'll start with March corn. I'm actually going to be updating uh, two markets that I did last week, both March corn and March soybeans. March corn trading in the mid-680s. I see this market as really two-sided uh, into later February between 698 and a quarter upside and 646 even downside. Both of those can contain at least weekly, if not monthly, activity if or when tested. If we were to close above 698 and a quarter over the next week or two, we should then buy uh, later February into early March, into March expiration, reach up to 723 and a quarter. But with regard to the broader corn market, that is to say the May contract, if March gets up and over 698 and a quarter, and May I've got 696 even, very similar number. If May can climb above 696 even, hold above, close above that level at the end of any week, then 770 even wouldn't uh, surprise me over the following two to three months. This would be a late winter into spring rally if May can close above 696 even. Downside, if March closes below 646 even over the next couple of weeks, then we fall to 625 even. And that is a broader market long-term support level that the May contract will also inherit off the weekly continuation chart. 625 even able to contain selling through spring and into summer trade. On to March soybeans. I'd mentioned how 1471 even was solid support last week. That climbs this week to 1478 even. I believe last week's low was around 1478. 1478 is a long-term support for the March contract. And um, May contract also has similar support in that vicinity, a little bit lower, around 1472 for the May contract. And I mention this because the March contract, I think over the next few weeks, can test 1575 even and 1575 even is a level that can contain march buying uh into expiration perhaps but if we were to close above 1575 even sooner than later 
Then the March contract continues into the 631 and a quarter to 640 and three quarter region, perhaps. And I say perhaps because timing will be everything with respect to that upper level, 1631 and a quarter to 1640 and three quarter. The May contract will inherit that upper area. And if either March or May test 1631 and a quarter to 1640 and three quarter, it is an area that is a meaningful long term resistance that can contain broader market soybean buying pressures into summer trade. Now, downside, if March soybeans close below 1478, even all bets are off. This market should continue south to 1424, even within two to three weeks, and perhaps by March expiration, 1394 even, which is a significant long-term support level for the March contract. Finally, March soybean meal, we are above 483.2 as of Monday's close. 483.2 was a ceiling, now it's a floor, and above which 512.7 is expected. That is a long-term three-year channel top that actually contained the March highs from last year, and we're, looks like we're back at it again over the next few weeks. 512.7 rising gradually, it's a rising channel top, able to contain annual buying pressures, and from there we could fall off into summer trade. But it would be a weekly settlement above 512.7 that would, I think, set off an accelerated, I call it a hyperbolic rally, a vertical rally that over the course of the following five to eight months or less, it could be a summer high, the 640s. I have 635 even and climbing. That would be unprecedented territory for this contract, but I think it is realistic if we close above 512.7 in the coming several weeks. And it is targeted above 483.2. Now, if we settle Friday back below 483.2, 455.8 is likely within two or three weeks where we could actually bottom out into March contract expiration. It would be a settlement in March soybean meal below 455.8 that would tip the scale south, pivot the market south, through the rest of February, 4.12 even, then expected within probably three to five weeks of closing below 455.8, 4.12 even is long-term support for the March soybean meal contract, able to contain selling through the balance of its life. And that, Chip, is all I've got for today's three. Thanks all a lot right. for having me. Hey, thank you, Kerry. Appreciate you very much. Uh, wow, unprecedented levels for soybean meal he was talking about yeah. there, Davis. Just some crazy numbers. Crazy uh, numbers. Uh, Brian Basting, Advanced Trading, yeah. our guest today. Can can I just run something by you quick? I just yeah. have a couple of notes, okay? Um, a couple of things that he said. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the next six minutes, much less the next six months, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, then there was the thought, don't put too much credence in the seasonals, but then he's also talking about a cyclical business that we're in. Yeah, how do all of those things work together when I'm trying to figure out how to move forward in a smart way? Oh, man. Those all work together by figuring probabilities. Okay? What are okay. the probabilities that the seasonal is going to work this year? What are the probabilities that it won't? Why won't it work? Why would it work? Okay? So... If we are looking at the probabilities of a spring rally, you ask yourself, why would it work? The answer to that is, well, right now we've still got projections for tight stocks. The supply side cushion for the 2023-24 marketing year is very tight. 1.2, 1.3, 1.4, 1.5, 1.6, 1.7, 1.8, 1.9, 1.10, 1.11, 1.12, 1.13, 1.14, 1.15, 1.16, 1.17, 1.18, 
to 1.3 billion on corn, call it 220 million bushels on beans, something like that. So we don't have a lot of uh, wiggle room on acres or on yield. So mm-hmm. therefore, the probability of a spring rally, yeah, that's helping to support it out. On the other hand, if we are transitioning from a La Nina into at least Enzo neutral, maybe uh, a uh, El Nino at some point, that ups the odds of breaking the drought that we've got in the Western Corn Belt. Therefore, if we do break that drought, it'd be that much more difficult to get the spring rally. Make sense? So you got to measure the probabilities. Yeah. That's what it's all about. That's good stuff. All right, man. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. Appreciate you. Got to come back tomorrow morning. Oh, Paul Neifer. We're going to talk about the emergency relief program. That's tomorrow morning right here on AgriTalk.